Welcome to Walk It Off's Happy Hour Hang. That's what, That's what we're doing it here. <laughs> the, the, it is literally what we're doing. This is Walk It Off's midweek, let's put that in parentheses, Happy Hour Hang. And this is what we do uh, when we're not on the air on WXNAFM uh, and WXNAFM.org on Sunday nights. We're right here. A little here. addendum to the radio program, if a you little, will. A little appendix, if you will. <laughs> just a little one, though. <laughs> just a little one. A ti- no, my no, tiny a appendix. appendix. That's a problem. I know. I've got. I've got a. I've got a small appendix uh, uh, complex. But. Uh oh. I know. Sorry. But hey, we, I've had a fat liver before, so. Have you? Is that because you're? Is, is that because of all the? I was trying to think of like fatty alcoholic drinks, and then White Russian came into my mind. I was like, is that because all the White uh. Russians? It was like, okay, how do you fix this? Well, you don't drink, and you don't eat red meat or fried foods. Like, oh, so I'm just gonna die. I I know. I do recall this, and the struggle at Gabby's is real. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. That was that was very tough. I remember that. That was that was when you were you were doing the salad there, or the 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 pasta salad. salad. Sorry, the pasta salad, right? (laughs) Instead of the French fries. Yeah, I was just, I was taking it real easy on myself. I was getting a Philly cheesesteak with chicken <laughs> instead of beef. It, uh, incremental really changes. Really care of my health. <laughs> as as your life coach would sh- would say, incremental changes, just a little bit at a time, get better every day. And, and it's kind of a joke saying life coach, but since we are doing a sports talk show, I always attribute attribute this to Earl Watson, who was a Suns coach, but. These, these quotes get messed up. I'm sure somebody else has said it, and it's probably not even his. But one of my favorite quotes ever in terms of like how to approach adversity, how to approach growth, how to approach a challenge is 1% better every day. It doesn't matter. 1% is great because it's relative, right? It's relative to where you were. That doesn't need to be a leap to the moon. 1%, it just means incrementally better. And every day you get better, that one percent grows, so it's a it's it's a pretty cool way to look at it, and uh, that's exactly what you were doing by switching to chicken, and that's why you're here today. It is, man. That's solid advice. I like that. I absolutely will subscribe to that. If you make changes, even if they don't seem like much at the start, you're moving in the right direction. Things are going to improve true. from there. The downside to this is if you are a Suns fan, that one percent better when you're a mediocre, if not crappy, team. <laughs> We'll never win you a championship. <laughs> uh, Earl's not the coach anymore, is he? No, he's not. Although, <laughs> one of my favorite coaches in Phoenix Suns history, an amazing players coach, an amazing talent developer. Just, he is so good at that. Just wasn't the right time for him, I guess, and certainly wasn't the right situation because ownership was horrible in the the opportunities just weren't that great for somebody to build a, an awesome resume. But I'm really hopeful to see him in a head coaching position down the road because I think what he did is left a great mark on a lot of those young players. Devin Booker, not aside, he, I think, is one of the more influential people in Devin Booker's professional career. I can't speak for Devin, but that's what it looks like from this perspective. And, and it certainly paid off. Here on the happy hour hang, you get a lot more Phoenix Suns talk. That's true. I did, that was a, a Phoenix Suns rabbit hole. I'm, I'm more willing to do that. A little bit more insiders than we can do when we're on the radio on WXNA. <laughs> That's Talking about true. our national local programs, which is still 
the main focus of our show here, too. Still number one. There's no doubt about it. Even though wearing the Kraken shirt right now. Yeah, talk about a talk about a a, a diversion, a, a sharp left turn here. New York hat, hey. The New York we <laughs> could have expected. Now I'm ready to roll. But man. you came out with Seattle. It's like, what if I came out with, uh, I don't know, with a, a Golden State Warriors jacket or a, a jersey on? Come on, that's a rival of your team, man. This one doesn't even exist yet, but they got a sweet logo, a, fair a better production video. That hype video was still great. They're doing it well. And, and nice shirt. So There's I no think doubt. the cricket will already automatically strip up to my third favorite NHL team. The was, second they hit the ice, that's impressive because those nice colors. Is are there any teams that would compete with them for number three? Like I feel like you have to have some kind of affection for another NHL team that they're battling for. Is it really just that far of a drop off after New York and uh, and Nashville? It's a big drop off, of course. You know we've talked about it before. the The Islanders are my team. I grew up with them. Love them been to so many games at the old barn down there but after being in nashville for as long as we have obviously we have true deep affinity for our local teams including the preds i'd say especially the preds with everything that we've gotten to go through being here for their runs and the playoffs and just being downtown and being a part of watching sports change the culture of this city and ingrain itself so much in nashville's boom at the same time True. We've had some special times watching Preds games. There's and no Sands doubt about games, it. And Titans games, but the, yeah, the Preds, Preds games really captivated the city differently. I think we would feel differently if we'd have been on the air, you know, when the Titans made those early 2000 runs. And even their 13-3 and season in 20, 2009, I think it was, uh, 2010. You know, it, it, it was right when we started the show that those the Predators took off, too. And that was certainly more in line than the Titans were with the growth of Nashville, too, which is just, there's incredible parallels there. But but I also love that you've got kind of a cool growth story in in your Islanders, in the way that team has created an identity around themselves and has an attachment to Nashville with Barry Trotz. Exactly. Thank you, Preds. I know. <laughs> with a little pit stop to win a cup for the damn Capitals. I know. Just add to his resume and then move up to the Islanders. Crazy. Where Lavi is now, it's a whole incestuous circle between those three teams at the moment. Very much so. But yeah, man, if you look at the drop-off after that, there haven't, there are not really any teams I root for. I've got a, a hockey fan's affinity for some Canadian teams. Obviously not the Maple Leafs after the John Tavares pajamas incident. Yep, understood. No other Metro teams. Obviously those are all out as Islanders' enemies. Central teams... I would say are pretty much out, but I, I'll admit to a slight affinity to the Minnesota Wild. That's understandable. Because I did like the North Stars as a young kid. The Minnesota North Stars were kind of cool. I had some relatives up that way. It just seemed like such a great hockey team. Brian Bellows and Mike Madonna were fun in NHL 94 for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> and that love did not transfer to the Dallas Stars. But when the Wild came back, and especially with, again, the... A nice color scheme helps, and a unique color scheme. That dark green and the cream color Agreed. on the jerseys, those look great. And with them right away picking up Ryan Suter, you know, it, it let that Preds culture join over a little bit. So as far as central teams go, they're my least hated. 
out of all the other teams in the Central. But there's no other real team that I'll... We talked last week about picking a West Coast baseball team to root for, which is really fun if, you know, for everybody here, just to give you something for those late night hours in a whole 162 game season. But I never really felt that for a hockey team. You know, there was never any anything out there for the Mighty Ducks or the Kings or the Sharks. That's fair. There, there's moments. So I had a loose attachment to hockey for most of my life. So that meant I was able to kind of bounce around, right? Like as a young kid, of course, I liked the Mighty Ducks. I love the Mighty Ducks franchise. Uh, the, and there was no team in Arizona when you were really young, right? Th- that's very true. So like, I remember the Avalanche being good in the 90s and really digging that team. And so there, there's moments here and there, but it's mostly been the Coyotes. And of course, now I've been very honest on this show that the Predators have eclipsed the Coyotes. And because of you... And because of the trajectory of the team, those things had to come together because I have an allegiance to you, my friend, but it doesn't, it has to be fortified. Uh, I, I, the, I like the Islanders. I would say they're quite possibly my number three team. I've also grown in affinity because they're, at least in the, 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 the divisions of your, they haven't been directly competing with us. I've really liked the, the Lightning. I really like everything that they're doing. I cannot run with them this this year, obviously, because they're competitors in the Discover region. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I got paid for that, by the way. Uh, but they, uh, they they're a team I've really really enjoyed. Oh man, I just can't because first of all, the the Florida hockey expansion didn't really do it for me when that all happened. It's like, really, do we need? The Panthers and the Lightning and all this. I liked the Lightning's jersey as a young kid. Yeah, that was Understood. a cool jersey. It's a good call. But they knocked the Islanders out of the playoffs a couple times. Well, so. that, that is reason enough to hate a team. There are teams that I loathe and will never not loathe because of that. So I fully support your decision. So, yeah, Seattle Kraken, get up there. I can't they argue with good. it. I like what Seattle's doing. You know, I, I still... I liked the Supersonics. Of course. The Seattle Supersonics were my number two NBA team. Again, partly because of video games. Oh, NBA of Jam, NBA Live, Camp, Peyton, Peyton and Kemp. Oh, man. It was so much fun. Yeah. Those were the guys that we pretended to be playing driveway ball. You know, I'm Sean Kemp. I'm going to have 27 kids. I mean. <laughs> I mean, points. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... Rad dunks, man. <laughs> He, he really was iconic there. And it's, I, I was just thinking the other day how for uh, as legendary as he was for his moment in time, he's really somebody who's lost in history. I mean, it's not like he's never acknowledged. So I, I, he is. And the lack of a championship helps. But like he was, they were in the finals, I believe, one year. They were in the conference finals another year. They were a competitive team throughout the 90s and had some of the best on their team. And... As much as I was about to make the argument earlier when we were talking about the Kraken that Seattle is a likable sports city, but I I can't fully say that because I I hate the Seahawks. So I realize <laughs> I that them to get a team back because I still feel like the SuperSonics were unjustly robbed away. That I wholly agree with, and I still would say that I, I I've I've never had a reason to dislike the Mariners. I like them. They were fun, obviously fun in the nineties. They got the good A-Rod. You know, they, they had Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, I, I, of course, I loved 
I, I love uh, uh, Randy Johnson, of course, and going into being an Arizona Diamondback. Uh, that was a fun team. Uh, I I love the Sounders. They're fun in MLS. They were a team I rooted for until we we have our team in there. Uh, I loved the the, uh, the the Supersonics. Also, a great team name. Uh, just and and, t- and logos and everything. Just they just were something that was fantastic. It's just the Seahawks, who frankly I didn't mind because they weren't in the Cardinals division for a long time. I and they were a team I liked, and I'll, I'll be lying if I said I didn't like Pete Carroll. I kind of actually dig the guy. I think he's I think he's a really good coach, but I, I can't I can't like that city overall because <laughs> of that team. I could be wrong here, but I it seems to be remembering were the Seattle SuperSonics the first team to ever win a playoff series in the NBA as an eight seed. To knock off a number one in the first round, you know I can't I say that happened. That's worth that's worth researching. The Peyton Kemp Sonics. There was I, I get it mixed up because there was also the Dikembe Mutombo Nuggets, who had an ace seed win in that infamous uh, Dikembe Mutombo kind of crying on the on the free yeah, throw line. Yeah, could have too, but well, let's go to the stats. I'll see what I can uh, what I can sometime around here. that era. Yeah, it definitely would have been. But in any case, you lose a team the year you draft Kevin Durant. <laughs> Just cruelty. Sent taken to Oklahoma. Like it ain't right. So no, it it really isn't. It's not a basketball team, but getting the Kraken back is a small bonus, and it makes me like them already. Although we'll see what happens in the expansion draft. Maybe maybe they'll make the wrong moves on our Preds or my Isles. And we won't like those those damn sea monsters quite as much. But in it, any case, it's a comfortable shirt. It certainly changes. So that's uh, that always goes a long a long way. Having a, I don't care what the team is. If it's a good looking, comfortable shirt, I'm wearing that shit. So uh, there's no doubt about that. So I will. No way, man. I will no sign with that. The one thing I will defend, uh, <laughs> I will defend Ben Affleck. In whatever that little controversy was, where he refused to wear a Yankees hat in a movie, it's like I'm sorry. I know it's a movie. I know I'm acting, but do you do you think he would have done that if the choice was between a New York Yankees hat and a City Connect Boston hat? <laughs> <laughs> I want I want that to be a good transition, but but I also have up Look on at you doing segues. <laughs> But I also want to say that on May 7th, 1994, the eighth-seeded Denver Nuggets defeated the 63-win Seattle Supersonics. It was the other way around. It was the other way around to advance to the Western Conference semifinals, marking the first time an eight-seeded team won the playoffs. They were involved in that (laughs) the first time an eight-seed won, but they weren't the eight. That's exactly right. So there have been others. Uh, The 76ers beat the Chicago Bulls in 2012. Uh, You may remember... That the Memphis Grizzlies beat the San Antonio Spurs in uh, in 2011, and grind. That's hard. right. Uh, one of the most famous, probably the most famous, I think. Well, maybe it's not actually. Looking at the the last remaining one, both of them were fun though. Golden State Warriors, the last likable. No, nah, it wasn't the last likable Warriors team. <laughs> it's hard to forget that the the Curry Warriors were likable for a while, uh, but. The Golden State Warriors before KD, before K, yeah, exactly before KD, but with 
Baron Davis, Steven Jackson, Monta Ellis, Matt Barnes, one of my favorites. They beat the Dallas Mavericks, who I think had, at that point had a, they were 67 wins. And then the last eighth seed, which if you want to, if you want to give them credit, in 1999, asterisk, the New York Knicks made a finals run as the eighth seed. <laughs> With the trust well, you asterisks on that one, huh? Fighting words, right? Uh, but man, we've seen the the Houston asterisks. People don't forget they were taking some heat in that Oakland series, and especially from the Angels fans. Who knew Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim fans had it in them? But that's been uh, that's been I don't want to say good to see, but kind of good to see. <laughs> It's throwing the trash cans on the field. The, the Astros didn't get saved by that damn bubble season, all right? We remember. That's exactly right. That's the retribution is like we knew it was going to come. So, and it, honestly, maybe it's better for everybody that it happens with minimal capacity or limited capacity. So they get beat up, but the vo- the, the like the volume and velocity is just a little bit less than what it would have been for the safety for safety's sake and to avoid extra arrests and whatever other headlines may have happened. So maybe we won out there, but I'm glad, I'm glad they're getting uh, razzed for it for sure. Yeah. It's always nice to see that, you know, it, it doesn't always get forgotten. It doesn't always get swept under the rug. You did that. You're going to have to pay for it. You know, Dusty Baker goes in there and everybody loves Dusty trying to rehabilitate that image and say, okay, it's time to stop, guys. That was years ago. We paid our price. It's like you haven't in the fans' eyes. You, not at all. The fans have not had a chance to yell at you. They deserve a chance to do that. That's bottom line. That's yeah. that's you just did the way this. You got to take it. Ryan Braun had to take it. Alex Rodriguez had to take it. Barry Bonds had to take it. You did you, you got to pay for it. All right. And yeah. yeah, to say it's it's over and done with. We paid our price. It's nice, but uh, you're not the one who gets to decide that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, well, and of course he's got to say that. I mean, that's the line that they have to say. They've got to defend themselves and try to will people into avoiding that kind of uh, that kind of outburst. But I think they're the only ones that believe that. I don't think anybody else besides Alex Cora maybe believes that they need to move on. And Alex Cora and AJ Hincher already have jobs again. Yeah, and, and nobody's booing them right now. So that I can that I've heard of at least. Yeah. All right. We can deal with it, though. It's It's been fun having baseball back. That's for sure. That is for sure. Definitely been ready for that. We're so ready for Nashville Sounds games again. The AAA season delayed. But everything's going to start happening, man. We're less than two weeks away from Nashville SC's opener. Then the Sounds will be back shortly after that. The Preds are obviously still playing with some fans in the house. And what's, it's with, a good time to be here. It is it's always and, a good time to be in Nashville. And with the predator or with the playoffs on the line, I mean they're slowly widening that gap, very incrementally. Like we said, one percent better every day. Thirteen and three in their last sixteen. Really impressive. Uh, is this a good team? <laughs> I miss that. I was watching. I was showing a bunch of Phoenicians. The uh, <laughs> the the there ain't no Nash villains. The you suck chant and just how special it is. I was trying to illustrate to them when 
I was at a game. I think he was playing for the. I think I'm getting it mixed up. So I don't know if he was with the Devils then. When PK's brother was goaltending for another oh, team, yeah. and that was a good time. It was, and they were, and of course, when they we scored on Subban and Sub and PK's on our team. You know, we're yelling <laughs> Subban, Subban, you suck, and it's it's a little confusing, but it was it was still pretty fun. <laughs> Have you found yourself doing that along to the TV? Of course. Absolutely have. Yeah. Well, I don't want to lose my intuition to do that at every at every time, too, because what would really be horrible is when I go to a game next and I just I'm not ready for the chant. You know, I I, I want to stay warm. I like it. I uh, I, I love it. I want, Mouse, I want another goal. Uh, wrong language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want catfish fritters. Yeah, they might change it to that eventually. <laughs> ah, man. Sports sports are great. Sports are great. No argument here. How about that finals game, though? We're just here coming off the end of the NCAA tournament. We had, like we were talking about on Sunday, of course, on the main show, the Walk It Off on WXNA every Sunday night on your radio here in Nashville and everywhere streaming at WXNA FM. Dot org. We had two of the greatest games in college basketball history back to back. And then we had the men's championship game, the number one versus the number two seed, this juggernaut matchup, and it was just an ass kicking from the opening tip off. No drama. No. It there was a play I felt like what Gonzaga did a good job of was at least making you feel like for spurts. And I think it was only because of the narrative that they were such a good team, that they were the overwhelming favorites from the get-go, that they could open this back up. They got it within 10 a few times. And I think it was late in the late in the first half, maybe – actually, it feels like 11 minutes in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly. There was an offensive rebound that Gonzaga – uh, chase down and then and then saved hus- major hustle play right like there were a lot of great hustle plays from Gonzaga some great fast breaks it just looks like they might open it up hustle play kick it back in uh, sorry it was a defensive rebound and it goes right to Baylor and they score and and it was just I feel like that was a tone of the game right like they're they just could not whatever effort they put over because outside of those first few minutes did not feel like a super sloppy game for Gonzaga. It was just a dominant game by Baylor, especially after the get-go. That's what I feel like. That dominance at the beginning when Baylor just could not miss a shot, it seemed like. And Gonzaga, the first time I looked at that Gonzaga game, just checking them out after after that initial run, said so they're playing nervous. They had that undefeated streak on the line. They had the miracle ending to beat UCLA. You know, they probably felt like that's our sweat moment. From the, it's all gravy now. It's in the bag, and then to come out and just get punched in the mouth by Baylor like that. And yeah, it wasn't that they were playing horrible. Just anything they were trying to do was not working. Baylor was doing whatever they wanted, hitting all their shots, switching on defense, making everything work. And in the second half, that just kind of exaggerated you're right the save that just ends up going to Baylor there were a few moments where a Gonzaga player just lost their dribble yeah lost the ball out of bounds or lost the ball to Baylor 
they were missing free throws like crazy. You can't come back if you're missing all your free throws. No. It just, they got tight. And Baylor played a fantastic game from whistle to whistle. The stats show it, too. Like, the, usually if I, I, I don't know the stats on how often this plays out. But I do know when I'm looking at a game that's dominant, I, I look at the field goal percentage and the team that shot a better percentage usually wins. Especially, like we've talked about, it's bleeding into the uh, into the NCAA with three-pointers. Because if you just have an overall better percentage and you shoot a higher percentage of three-pointers within there, you've widened the gap a, a lot more. And I also look when I have when I'm rooting for a team and I see that we're shooting 41% versus a team that's shooting 57, that at halftime, I feel like in general that's going to even out. Right? So it, in other words, a field goal percentage is a leading indicator of how the game is going and what could possibly happen because a lot of times it's just being cold and that you get over that sometimes. This was a weird, weird game, though. I mean, just looking at the statistics, because Gonzaga shot 51% relative to Baylor's 44%, 44.8, so essentially 45%. That is surprising, because it felt like Baylor couldn't miss for the first half. The second half shots weren't falling, but they had such a big lead, and they were hitting their free throws. And that's got that, that's got to be a part of it. So the, the other variables beyond that, which you've already highlighted, essentially are Free throw percentage, 89% versus 71%. That's huge. I mean, uh, Gonzaga left left six six points on the board there. Turnovers, absolutely. Five more tor- turnovers for, uh, for Gonzaga. But I think the key here really is rebounds. They out-rebounded them 38-22. to 22. Offensive rebounds, 16-5. to 5. They, they, Gonzaga may have had a 51 to 48 advantage in field goal percentage, but Gonzaga shot 49 shots. Baylor shot 67 shots. That's an insane amount more that they got off. And that's because of that rebound differential. They, they, they had 16 more rebounds, 11 more offensive rebounds. So they just created more opportunities for themselves. And it's a weird story that the stats tell this time that you just don't see in the box score that often, but this was a unique game. It was definitely not what we expected from that national championship game. And, hey, the 76 Hoosiers can pop some champagne because there's no undefeated team since. (laughs) That does come back to a point that you were making there. One of my favorite gambling techniques, if you want to get in, we're we're off the air right now. Hey, Mm -hmm. hey, it's legal in Tennessee anyways. Sports betting's legal and fun in Tennessee, so hey, we can we can give out our gambling tips more often. But one of my favorite plays, easiest money in my book, is NBA games, the live money line, not not the live money line, the line points line. So when a bad team gets out to a lead over a good team in the NBA, I will hop on that so quickly, and what's one a perfect example of that. Not even a bad team, but when the Knicks were up nine points, at, or I believe it was nine points at halftime over the Nets, the same day as the national championship game, that line soared up to you could get five and a half points betting on the Nets right then. And if you got a much better team, I'll take them to come back 
and the points. That's a great point. That's one of my favorite plays. I've got it that game against the Knicks. I've done it before with the Knicks. Yeah. When they were playing the Washington Wizards, and you're I down like a lot early. They actually came back and won that thing. They would have took money line on that one. Especially at nine points. I mean, there's a point, obviously, where that gets a lot harder, especially if you're making the bet at halftime. But, I mean, I think that fortifies just what we're talking about here, where Gonzaga being down 10, you're kind of feeling like they could do this. And they should at some point. Uh, although, you know, the, the differential between Baylor and Gonzaga. And if they hit their damn free throws, it might have been a four or five point game. Welcome to college basketball. We talked about this on our first show <laughs> after uh, March Madness started. It. it is one of the biggest variables out there. And you just you, you can predict it a lot more in the NBA. You just have no idea what's going to happen in the NCAA. So, hey, man, we haven't gotten to it yet. What are we doing? We announced it at the beginning of the show that we're now calling this midweek addendum episode the Walk It Off Happy Hour Hang the essence of the barroom banter that we do on our radio show every yep. week. Our strength. A little addendum to that. A little bonus episode for you. So what you drinking? It's happy hour. Ooh, good question. So these are my, my beautiful little happy hour glasses. In uh, no, we haven't. I got, got on my little, uh, got my little bar back there with, uh, with the record player and everything. Uh, you a classy broad. I am a classy broad. <laughs> I am. I am. Uh, this is a nice aged rye that I'm just drinking on the rocks. Uh, it is, I don't know what it is. Usually I put uh, the label underneath the decanter so that I remember uh -oh. what it is, but I just moved, so I lost it. It's probably, I don't know, maybe a 10 or 12 year rye, something like that. It's, it's really nice though. Fine brown liquor. That's what that is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> FBL. What's in that bottle? It's a fine brown liquor. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, rye. You, yeah. You've fallen away from your Tennessee roots already? Yeah. Listen, first off. Southern Grist hat on. Representing Nashville. I, I appreciate do. it. I do. One of the best breweries Look. there are. Love it. I think I'm losing you. There we go. I think I got you back. We've got a, we have a few more technical difficulties here, but... I got gotcha. you. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Yeah, everybody. This we're is doing the this life across the damn country. All right. Everybody lives now. If there's anything people can relate to, it's the internet breaking up in front of them in a <laughs> in a video chat like this. So I don't. I don't feel like we're alone. What? No. And look at you, man. You've set that background up. If you guys go back and look at our earlier episodes. I'm getting more impressive every time. I keep Thank saying you. I'm going to install a bobblehead shelf back here. Start really memorabilia this thing out instead of just uh, propping up the signed Bo Outlaw Grizz jersey over there. Oh, first off, that was <laughs> a nice, heavy lifting. That was a nice humble brag on the signed <laughs> Bo Outlaw jersey. But but here's a challenge I have for you. Even without the bobblehead shelf up, you've teased it. I feel like we need to see a bobblehead or two on this uh, happy hour hang coming up. I think we need to see the bobbleheads that you got. In the background of the previous episode, our baseball preview, you can see underneath my left armpit Easter <laughs> eggs here, like they're the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe or some it, shit. It is. <laughs> Both a Ken Griffey Jr. starting lineup action figure. Big fan of the starting lineups from the 90s. 
that don't look anything like the person they're supposed to be. They never <laughs> but do. there's something great about them anyways. As well as one of my personal favorites, a baseball that I got signed here at First Tennessee Park when the, at that time, division rival Las Vegas 51s were a Mets Farms team. I said, hey, there's two of these guys I've got my eye on. I feel like they're going to really be blowing up soon. I want to try see if I can talk to them a little bit. And got out there, did a little scouting report, and got both 51's players, Dominic Smith and Brandon Nimmo, to sign a baseball. Yeah. And that one's, that one's sticking with me. It's been some good luck ever since. I love that. That's a great thing to show off. I love that kind of memorabilia. So... And you've got a lot of that. Um, I, I love the wealth of stuff that you have. So we'll have to see a little bit more of that on here. That's my uh, that's my gauntlet for you. <laughs> yeah, improve this now that it's a thing. Now that this is the walk it off happy hour hang, we'll uh, we'll get a little bit more official with it. But I decided in tribute to the beautiful weather we've been having in Nashville now, making up for all this damn storms constantly. <sighs> Leave Nashville it's alone. Now yeah, officially springtime. It's officially warm out. I'm going to go with my personal favorite, the easiest drinkingest summer beer. That's right. It's a Schlafferhofer. A Schlafferhofer. The Hefeweizen grapefruit. I love it. Who doesn't like to say Schlafferhofer? Especially if you put Hefeweizen after that. Schlafferhofer Hefeweizen. <laughs> yeah. And the Stiegel Rattlers have really caught on. Yes, they at have. At shows in Nashville. It's weird seeing people drinking I didn't Rattlers that. at shows. I knew they were getting popular, but... See, it, it was weird to me to see craft beer at shows. Honestly, like, and I'm a honest. I, I've been in cra- into craft beers, beer for a long a time. Part of that. They really have. That's been. I mean, you can catch a Bear Walker there. You can catch a Yazoo Pale there really easily. And, and I mean, that was from the get go. So, in Blackstone, uh, all of those have been a part of that for a long time, which I appreciate, and that's what opened it up. Uh, but it took a long time to get past PBR. But I feel like. That's not the mainstay now. I really, I really don't. It's uh, it's really cool to see the variety of things. As long as I don't see a lot of hard seltzers. Listen, I'm not knocking it. It's not horrible stuff. But like, if it's you're great for if you're hanging out on a boat. If you're hanging out on a boat. And you can say the same thing about the Rattlers and Schlapper Hoppers too. You but could, but those are a little different. They're a little Shandies, different. You can put a shandy in that boat as well. Not literal boat in that same category as well. Yeah. Oddly enough, not really a fan of Shandies. It's interesting. But I love the Schlopper, and I love the Rattlers, and also hate grapefruits. Grapefruit itself, absolutely vile. Disgusting Interesting. fruit. Interesting. But the grapefruit beers, not too bad at all. Well, aren't and you a man of mystery? On another, I'll let you behind the curtain a little bit more. Possibly from my northern roots, my Yankee blood. I You're a Yankee fan? get my ass kicked by the don't even joke about that man. <laughs> <laughs> I get my ass kicked by the summers every year here in Nashville. But again, it's been over a decade living here. Has not gotten better. Playing ball in the summers, I'll bring one water bottle to drink and one to pour over my head to get through the game. As you should. And a lot of these venues that we love don't have the best air conditioning. I actually wrote a guide once for a certain blog about where the best air-conditioned spots are. A real insider's insider info it's for when you're redundant. going to shows. <laughs> but something about 
these big tall boys of Rattler, or preferably even a little Schlafferhofer, a little less bubbly than the Rattler, less sweet, more beery, slightly. They're just refreshing as fuck. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to go with tonight when it's 80 degrees in Nashville today. I, Beautiful sunny day. I like that. Get out in that backyard, get out on a pool, get out in a hammock, and get yourself a Schlafferhofer. Get your Schlaffer Hoffer on. Or some fine brown liquor, man. Can't go wrong there. Well, it does feel ironic based on what you're saying, because we here in Phoenix are well into the summer. We're into a streak of, I mean, I was out I was out on the lake on Saturday, uh, and it was it crested 100 degrees. It was horrible. Uh, it, but some gloves out there? What's that? I did some not. Have gloves with you out there? No, I, I went with my go-to, uh, which is... I'm, and luckily, they're pretty prevalent now. There's a lot of low ABV. They're not IPAs necessarily, but IPA versions, hoppy forward beers. Not super hoppy. I'm not saying you'd love them because I know you're not a hophead. But I also want to caveat, like, they're not like that uber hoppy beer. It's just like a lighter beer that tastes that way. And I think I was drinking uh, the Lagunitas Daytime, mostly. But I love the uh, the Terrapin Recreation Ale. Yeah, these are your session IPAs, right? Your session IPAs. It's exactly right. One of the best. You yeah. talk about you talk about um, uh, hydrating yourself. Uh, Dogfish Heads Sequench, which is a Gosa, and it's a little bit sour. Really mm-hmm. nice. Real nice. Very light. Low ABV. They made that to where it would actually hydrate you rather than dehydrate you, even though it has alcohol in it. So. It's just—it's an incredible win. That was, yeah. hey, Mark, I believe every. Mark we'll have to campaign. test that one out. All right. Yes. <laughs> Get out on the lake with a twelve pack. I feel so refreshed. Should, should we do instead of uh, like our own version of Super Size Me, where instead of water, <laughs> we just drink Sequench for a month? You know, I'm a big fan of the Sequench as well. So let's go. <laughs> one of the best. It really is one of the best. So it, it at least gets you much closer to that. But we're we're well into summer here, so um, I I'm with you, man. I uh, I don't look forward to the summers, but uh, as soon as it hits 100 degrees, and just like when it would hit 90 in Nashville, 90 in Nashville is just rough, man. And I the humidity, dude. I never got used yeah. to it either. And then I said, oh well, I can deal with the dry heat. And then July and August come around out here, and ju- so my in short, July and August suck. So that's my that's my stance. <laughs> no matter Gotta where hydrate. you are. Gotta hydrate. Gotta hydrate. Yep. <laughs> and hey, you alluded to it earlier. It was a beautiful segue. Thank and you. then we didn't get and into it. We never weighed it. it. We segged but didn't weigh. <laughs> how, can, how can we segue back into it smoothly, huh? Hey, the Preds were wearing their reverse retro uniforms today. They were. Their, their victory. So about alternate uniforms. Yeah, I got to remind myself on the Predators uh, reverse retro. Yeah, uh, but They don't really do it for me. And again, they feel like they've taken the place of the Winter Classic, Yeah, which organically became their alternate uniform because everyone loved it. Yeah. That, so they started and, using it as the alternate right then. That's how it's supposed to happen, an alternate uniform. Agreed. And so the, the limitation there is if you're not playing in a Winter Classic, you're not getting one. So... They, no, they, no, it's, a, it's anything, you know. If you get a commemorative patch 
and it's an especially killer design, you might see elements of that creep in. True. Just something a little organic, or you know, near fan art. You know, somewhat, sometimes, some way, this kind of thing's going to happen. I'll even say it with the Mets right now. It was a entire fan outcry that led them to say officially this year they will bring back the black 90s year forms the black 2000 the world series mets yeah that's a mike i'm not a huge fan of the black mets jerseys mets are blue in the orange that's just the way it is but how can you have a red Sox uniform without a red Sox? this is what's getting me man this is this is a big time what burns my biscuits seeing the announcement today and you can see it over on our Instagram at Walk It Off Radio that Nike have announced a city edition uniform for the Boston Red Sox. And I didn't see it coming. I hate to say I didn't see it coming. We were bitching about the swoosh on the front breast of the uniforms being so distracting. After years of the little majestic logo on the arm sleeve, that front patch just looked terrible on some of the jerseys. It was kind of distracting. But Nike had an even bigger play-in game. Ah, they know they can make all the money in the world switching up those uniforms constantly. The more uniforms... They're out there, the more people are going to buy. And they're bringing City Edition... to add uniform this sucks uniform yeah we had uh, we had some internet break up there so I, I can edit a little bit of that uh, so, do I have to start the rant over again? yeah yeah let's go back to to just uh, um, trying to think where it started to cut out but um I mean, just go back to when you started talking about Boston in particular. So you, you were going on to Nike. You yeah. knew that they could make a lot of money on that. And then that's where kind of where, where it started going rough. And we action. saw with these swooshes on the breast of the jerseys, just kind of distracting for your teams. But Nike had bigger plans in mind, man. They were doing it. And I hate that I didn't see it. I really hate that I didn't see it coming. But the city editions, bringing it to MLB, it, and it's nothing against the jersey itself. If this was just a Boston T-shirt, you know, a jersey, a fan jersey, or something like that, or something they were selling in the shop, I actually liked the design. Again, we've talked about the Chargers uniforms a million times. You can't go wrong with powder blue and gold. It's a yeah. great looking color combination. It really is. The layout is nice. I like the font. I like the tribute to the Boston Marathon that takes place in it. It's a good-looking jersey, but when it's worn on the field, that's a disaster, and it's starting to slippery slope. You're going to wear, watch the Boston Red Sox take the field in yellow jerseys in just a couple of weeks, and it's going to be so wrong, and it's going to lead MLB down the slope of what we have in M NBA, where we do like a couple of those city uniforms. There's a couple real nice unis there that have become something that grew with the fans, but most of them are pretty disposable, pretty unremarkable. And in the meantime, 
it's hard to tell what teams are playing half the time. That's what I don't. If like. you're they're mixing it up like that, the yellow Red Sox, you know, that's way worse than the orange Orlando Magic, which has taken this long to get used to. I you, the you're black used to and it. Gold Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, you know, it's very very disturbing to see that. I'm gonna hate it. I'm gonna hate seeing it on the field as much as I actually like the jersey itself from a pure aesthetic standpoint. It's a real good looking uniform. But when the Boston Red Sox take the field wearing a yellow jersey, it's just going to burn the hell out of my biscuits. And then when we see it through a few more, they're stretching it out. So every team's going to have one in the next three years. The Yankees have always really fought hard not to change their classic uniforms. It's been memorable. We turn ahead the clock night and everything. They said 100 years from now, whatever, 20 years from now, this is the uniform the Yankees will be wearing. Are they going to have one? It said every team. The last team to get theirs unveiled during this season will be the Los Angeles Dodgers, another team with iconic uniforms. But there's a possibility there because everybody really likes their spring training uniforms. That could be a natural third jersey. But if it's a Dodger uniform that doesn't have any blue in it, that's bullshit. So, first off... I think it's probably just going to be gray on gray. and, And that's a way to go. This is such a difficult topic now. Like, this used to be straightforward, I feel like. Either a jersey sucked or it didn't. And now we're getting yeah, into... The team updates their jersey. They update their jerseys. Yeah. And and there's still some major, like, offensive... Uh, it, like, let's... Color rush, in general, is horrible for the NFL. <laughs> because because it not only is it hard to recognize some teams, but it's just offensive on the TV. It just... It doesn't it create something bad. good. It creates weird uh, pajamas. First off, I, I want to make sure, Drew. I, this is just a welfare check. I want to, I want to make sure that your all your fire alarms. Have you tested them? They're all good because your biscuits are burning a lot. And I want to make sure that that you've got that that you've this got that checked out. Biscuits, man. I know. So it's and understandable. The Colorado Rockies are also on the list this year, and starting from purple, I'm on full uh, nightmare uniform alert for that one. Diamondbacks too. Look at what they've done. Like both of them, I think, are are going to be in a great. Already position. forgotten the bloody leg uniforms for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> They're going to have Sedona red everywhere now. I or, or not. I, the cool thing about the Diamondbacks is they have a whole a teal color black. palette that they could dive into that is under dark gray. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and it, honestly, it works. They just got rid of that man. What what I. What I struggle with with this, I don't know, is so much of it, I think, depends. I loved our discussion about the NBA City Edition uniforms, excuse me, because we were dividing them up less on how they looked. I mean, that was certainly a part of it, but more on, like, did the the did the means justify the end? In other words, did they have a good enough story to tell to justify doing something different and wildly different? And some of them did, some of them didn't. And some of them were in the middle. And I think the Suns were in the middle where they didn't have a great story to tell, but I have grown to like the execution of their city editions. So, and adding the custom courts has really been a bonus to that as well for the NBA. That's true. And something that just doesn't resonate in the MLB. There's just something about branding in that way that just doesn't resonate in Major League Baseball, which is why 
if if I could make a, an election or a recommendation to Major League Baseball, and I haven't decided where I stand on all the city editions because I like them doing something to honor something for their city. I like forcing them to f- find some creativity. And I, frankly, I like as a fan an opportunity to buy something that's a little different sometimes. I think that's kind of cool. But but so but I haven't fully maybe decided. I should have got something stronger for tonight's episode. I, I think you might have. Uh, but but I, I'm still not going to establish a stance on those. I got to think about it a lot more. But what I wish the MLB would have done is just stuck with a precedent that they did such a good job of doing. We don't pat the MLB on the back for like being avant garde in some of these ways, but they did a really good job by just doing things like changing the players' names to the nicknames. That achieves the same thing, right? Like they, they kept the fact that they have this classic expectation and found a way to fit it into that niche and and that is a great way of doing it i wish they would find more creative ways to stay within their 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 niche there and i don't know maybe they will maybe maybe these city editions will challenge some teams like the yankees to to balance that in the middle and they'll be able to do it but it doesn't look like it. I, I expect extreme things because it's a one-off and they can see what happens or what doesn't happen or what works and what doesn't work. And they sprung it on us. We had no idea this was coming. They yeah, did a great left, job keeping that secret and protected left, from leaks. Left field. And we haven't seen any of the other teams. You know, It's not going to be every team in the league this year. It's all very, very strange. It does feel like a test pilot thing. I'm very glad you brought up the Players Weekend uniforms. Because, yes, even the Yankees wore different uniforms on Players Weekend. And those uniforms were a huge departure from classic jerseys. But that was for a certain event. It was for the Little League World Series. It was for a a a fantastic event that Major League Baseball does. And it was fitting within the event. It was a one-off. There was no expectation that these were going to be a team's third jersey for the rest of the season. And then they ruined it years later by taking away the Little League aspect of it and just making them white-on-white and black-on-black uniforms, which was terrible and took out all the good vibes you had, the entire point of making them look like Little League uniforms in the first place. Yep. Yep, so they it's just a pendulum swing wildly in the other direction. And, and you know the gist of it, right? Like We talked about it with the NBA. When they made those changes, no matter how good or bad, they made a shit ton of money, and they and they know that if they do this, because they're seeing the NBA do it, they're seeing the NFL do it, that they can make a shit ton more money, and it's certainly they're grasping for straws now after the COVID year. So, I mean, it as much as we can defend and find the the bright spots and looking at these cool things, and there are. I mean, sports make money, and we love everything about it for the most part. Like we love the things that they do, we buy into it. Well. I, I buy into a unique uniform, I, especially another shirt or another jersey. I like getting the all-star jersey for one of my favorite players, things like that, World Baseball Classic, uh, things like that. Th- those are cool to have the unique variations. With that said, it's yeah, – I mean, I, I don't mean to diffuse it, but, like, that's what it's all about. And MLB doesn't have a great track record of doing things otherwise. That's what they're looking for right now is money. And respect the color palette at the same time. Respect what you're going in with. Are we going to be watching a Red Sox game on Patriots Day weekend this year and they're a yellow logo in the score bug? 
it's like the NBA where you have to check to see which color is which in the scorebook every game. Yep. I don't want to see that happen in baseball. It's the same feeling I have to make an incredible leap of comparison here. It's the same feeling I have here living in Nashville with all this damn tearing down buildings and putting up new ones around. If you're going to take a building down, if you're going to build, I understand there needs to be progress, but look at the neighborhoods you're in and try to try to fit into it a little bit. If your entire neighborhood is a bunch of red brick houses and you're going to throw up a two-story tall and skinny with vinyl siding, it's going to look like shit and ruin everything. Yeah, there's beautiful vinyl siding. But you, they don't take it's it's out of context, right? And Chris Cobb made a really good comment on that. He had an interview in the Nashville scene relative to the Exit Inn's um, trials right now, raising money to try to save the Exit Inn on Elliston Place. And a, a call out, donate if you can. Give them the best chance that they can to preserve that place. Because if they, if they buy it, what they're going to do is make it an historical place that will be much more protected than it is right now. And they haven't had outright ownership to be able to do that recently. So it's very important. Dude, next time you're in town, you won't even recognize Rock Block. I'm, I'm scared. So please let the end death. stay. Please let Exit In stay. Some it's, of our favorites. It's all that's left there. That What Chris Gobb said, though, that mimicked what you said, is he said, if you're going to move in, it, and it's a simple ask. And really, this goes to the commissioners. And everybody is like, if you're going to, which with MLB springing this on us, and frankly, Nike, who does a great job of consumer surveying, that's been a core of their brand for a long time, just understanding those things and consumer sentiment is ask people around you. Chris said, just if you're going to plan to do something, ask what fits into the neighborhood. Go talk to the people that live there. Go talk to the other business owners in the sports world. Be a neighbor. Be, be a neighbor. neighborhood. Go talk to the fans. You know, understand what is important to preserve and what is worth changing and what could improve and what doesn't need improvement and spend time on those things. You know what the fans said resoundingly? They said the Padres should go back to brown and yellow. And it looks fantastic. That's how you change an MLB uniform. You go with a reboot. You you know, you do the whole thing over yeah. again. Or and you'll you still make, make money. Little tweaks. Look if, at the Brewers this year. They kind of tried to have it both ways. The classic light blue, the classic logo, and their new colors. Throwing a little bit of everything into there. And I think fans were generally happy. Not as happy as they would have been with a full retro no. kit. But hey, we can't all do that all the time. That's a worthwhile experiment. If you're going to experiment, do some incremental thing. Do some feedback. Uh, get some feedback. And the truth is, if you do something like the Padres did... You're going to make a shit ton of money again because people are going to buy that. So there's the opportunity doesn't dissipate by doing it the right way. And it isn't stifling creativity. I mean, look at what the Reds did last season with their anniversary year when they wore a different decades throwback uniform every weekend of the season and just had sleeveless uniforms. They had the whole nine yards, but all of those had a, a reason to exist. And it was fun for the fans, and everybody got into it. And we're like, okay, what are the Reds going to be wearing this weekend? It was fun. It, it wasn't just an obvious money grab, and it wasn't an out-of-the-blue complete change of your identity. 
for one day and then it switches back and we're supposed to pretend it never existed and just wear our alternate uniforms. It's for the pink hat crowd. Yes. Or the green hat crowd. Or the green hat crowd. Yep. Or hell, I'm sitting here wearing a Father's Day special hat. MLB cashes in on this. They, they've been doing it for we a long do time. It. Yeah. Yep. There's things they do that make sense. There's things that make sense as one-offs. But City Edition uniforms coming to MLB is something that I'm not excited about at all. Even if, on a purely aesthetic level, like we said, I do really like the new Boston uniform. But I'm going to hate seeing it out on the field yep that's a full, that's full a tough hatred. it's a tough conundrum it really is like you said maybe a shirt a couple hats i don't know it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because we're certainly in for the next decade plus of seeing a weird soap opera play out of jersey variations and as much as i hate to defend him you're still talking about the same major league baseball that is banning trevor bauer from wearing a custom belt logo hypocrisy at every turn there's there's no doubt that doesn't make them any money man that's just how it works yeah but we're seeing a little bit of the loosening up one of the things that we saw in the home run derby a few years back and it was one of my predictions that we'd see come to baseball fully soon is the custom bats the colored bats and mlb still has a rule against that in their games they've made a couple of you know Exceptions and the home run derby, obviously. Um, there was just an article in, in, what was it, ESPN, one of the big publications on Victus, the company that makes these incredible artwork custom bats that we saw in the preseason, in, in spring training games, that we've seen in batting practice, that we see in the home run derby. That's something that feels like it's going to get loosened up on. Again, it, it took the Oakland A's wearing white cleats to make it <laughs> acceptable. And then it became a whole team. It was just recently that the whole team didn't have to be wearing the same color cleats. And everybody could be wearing their own pair that looked different. So change comes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the stance socks changed up a lot of the look on everything. The arm sleeves, everything. Everybody's got their own custom logos on their wristbands and their armor now. (laughs) There are venues that are opening up and... Some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. But it all comes down to, like you were saying before, be a neighbor. If you're going to do this, do something that makes sense, that'll get the fans excited and not not be a vinyl siding house in the neighborhood of brick ones. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. I think that's a, a great place to end this, honestly, is with that call to action for our city and for our sports uh, franchises. You know, Fran, they move in, and we see that all the time with them. You know, trying to take money to build stadiums, and the, the, one of the things that we appreciate about sports is that it creates community. And what it, what owners need to strive to do is to build that community rather than divide it and tear it down. And certainly, look at that from an economic perspective. And uh, and uh, the 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 leagues and the commissioners of those leagues and the owners of those leagues need to look at how they can be better stewards of their community as well. And we've talked about that all 2020 and all 2021 because it goes well beyond jerseys. It's certainly in terms of social stances um, and uh, and in terms of, you know, how they give back to their community and all of those things. So uh, very important. And, uh, and we're hoping that with all the trials that Nashville's been through over the last 
18 months that uh, that there's less of these and more community coming together to, to strengthen it and make it more neighborly than more uh, uh, Hiltony, for lack of a better term. Hey, do what you can. Let's let's all take care of each other, like we say all the time, yeah. and try to keep some of our institutions around. But yeah, always good Here's talking to, to you, buddy. Cheers, brother. Thanks man. to everybody tuning in for Walk It Off Happy Hour Hang, our laid-back we midweek, midweek barroom banter. Good time, as always, and please make sure to tune in every Sunday night or anytime in the archives over at WXNAFM.org. This is our nice, loose, fun barroom banter. That's our tight professional radio programming on 101.5 FM here in Nashville, Tennessee, and streaming at WXNAFM.org anywhere worldwide on Sunday nights. And of course, if you want to interact with us, hit us up anytime, social media, at Walk It Off Radio, or send us an email, walkitoffradio at gmail.com. It's the only thing you got to remember. Walk It Off Get Radio. Get yourself in the conversation. What do you want us to talk about? Let's have some fun with it, man, because sports are great. We're here, and we'll see sports on. Sports are fun. We'll see you on the radio on Sunday night. Oh. That's right. See you on the radio, buddy. <laughs>